0: So, Sean, in your book, uh, The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President, you recount your time as President Trump's White House press secretary, and you talk openly about the grueling nature of the job, in particular, the waves of public scrutiny that you had to deal with day after day. And so I'm curious, looking retrospectively, do you believe that you were well-suited for that role? Do you believe that job was a good fit for you? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think, um in some
1: ways, me um, obviously I think I had the background. I spent six, six years as the, you know, the spokesman for mm-hmm. the party. Um, but I, I think it was a disruptive, it's a, it, it was a disruptive, uh, president and a disruptive administration. I, I don't know that I, I think I might have had the skill set, but I don't know that I think we fully appreciated, um, and, and planned for what was about to come. Um, mm-hmm. And I think from that standpoint, and obviously and I talked about this in the book, but I think one of the things that you know, honestly, I was carrying two loads: is both the acting communications director and the and, and the press mm-hmm. secretary. And I think if I literally had to do it all over again, I think my skill set is probably better suited uh, for the for the long term strategy uh, aspect of the communications role versus the day to day aspect of mm-hmm. the press secretary job.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and so you mentioned kind of the disruptive nature of of this president, and Considering the kind of amplified showmanship and, you know, what some people might even consider histrionics that have accompanied President Trump's political tenure, do you think that your task as White House press secretary was by default more difficult than that of say previous White House press secretary? <laughs>
1: I, I hope that there isn't any disagreement that that, that that's actually true. Yes. I mm. I don't I don't think that many folks in, including my predecessors would disagree that that, that the is vastly different than what many of them went through.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And and so in the book, you write openly about the brutal reality of being on the receiving end of attacks for your performance as press secretary. And, you know, one of the attacks, kind of generally speaking, was that you had, uh, say, inconsistent commitment to offering the truth. Can you talk about that a bit? Do you think that that's at all a fair charge for the press to levy on you? Well, I I think, Hannah, there's
1: two pieces here, which is, do you have an issue with the statement at all in what the president believes or what he's saying, and what role I have in that, right? And so, in other words, what I mean by that is that I I believe, and I've maintained this, you know, all along in various roles that I've had, that the job of the press secretary is to communicate the ideas and views and thoughts of the person they represent. And where I think the line got crossed a couple times is there were several people that expected and believed that it was my job to – for lack of a better word, kind of call balls and strikes, and to say, okay, well, the president believes this, but I don't agree with it, or I think that's a, a you know, a, not an accurate statement. I don't, I don't believe that that's the role of the press secretary. I don't. I mean, it's the role of the press, it's the role of outside critics mm-hmm. to say this is this belief is inconsistent with you know our mm-hmm. values, or the the facts that they lay out don't accurately make the case. But I don't believe that your job as a press secretary is to go out mm-hmm. and say. You know, and because I mean, think about it. Tenure-wise, you're lasting about ten minutes after you go out and say, you know, my boss believes this, but mm-hmm. I think it's false. I mean, I don't think you're mm-hmm. going to have a very long tenure as a spokesperson of that. Um, I do think that it's the role of the press and others to come to then, you know, play their job, do their job, which is to fact check it and to say, you know, this is what they claim. Here is the, the you know, here's here's the fact check, if you will, of of what that means, or or. Um, or how we are, how this is not being interpreted the way that they claim or whatever it is. But that's not, you know, the role of this press person isn't to call balls and strikes on what their principal believes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But if there was kind of a warping of time and you were able to re enter that position on a clean slate, is there anything that you would do differently in terms of the way that you approach that role, maybe in terms of tone or comportment or anything along those lines? How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the simple answer is yes. I
1: mean, look, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I, I will say this. As, 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 you know, somebody professionally and personally, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm someone who, who who tries to be reflective in the sense that when I do a task or have an interaction with a person, I generally try to look back, you know, shortly thereafter and say, okay, could that have gone better? What was good about that interaction? What was good about that event? What was good about that professional, you know, um, roll out, you poly, whatever it was, statement, mm-hmm. and what could have been done better. And so, uh, but but clearly there were many times when, you know, and you brought up tone, where I look at a tape of something and I say, you know, that's really not who I would want to, you know, I don't like how I'm moving mm-hmm. across there. Or, you know, as my mother used to say, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And there are days when I look and, and I would say, I, I, I look back on a tape and I said, yes, I don't like the way that you know, that interaction went uh, on either end. Like maybe the mm-hmm. reporter was somewhat nasty and charged, but I could have been better. And I think mm-hmm. that – so, so I. you know, the this long answer to your question is absolutely. There are plenty of times in terms of both substance and mm-hmm. style where I look back and say, gosh, I probably could have done a much better job of
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in terms of style, you know, President Trump from the very beginning has defined himself as this strongly energetic, pugnacious, willing to attack from the front kind of figure. And I wonder, did that reality color your perception going into the role of press secretary about how you needed to comport yourself? Did you feel almost required to adopt that Trumpian sense of aggressiveness as par for the course? Uh,
1: You know, that's really – in some ways, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I I thought about it as much as, you know – your, your question sort of leans into it. Like, I think I did it sometimes because I just assumed that was helpful. But, Mm -hmm. but the funny thing about it is, is that he, there were times when, you know, I would assume that that's what he would have wanted and, and Mm -hmm. I was wrong. So I think that it's interesting. It works for him. Right. But I think part of the issue that I've talked about with, you know, since I've left is that part of this is let Donald Trump be Donald Trump and, and everyone should stop trying to emulate him in the sense of, you know, you're right. I, I, I look back mm-hmm. and I said, okay, I might have done that consciously or subconsciously to try to say, okay, this is the style that he would have wanted. What I should have done is try to just do what I thought was, you know, not have to, not so much think about the style of somebody else, but my own style.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and so you talk about sort of Trump being Trump and You know, in the book, you compare President Trump to, quote, a unicorn riding a unicorn over the rainbow, and you paint him as this really electric figure who ignited a new energy that, you know, the contemporary political class wasn't really able to tap into. And I'm curious, do you view that kind of electric, polarizing tone he adopted as fully an asset for him, or do you recognize that, you know, often that was the very thing that sowed the seeds of the criticism that he faced or the hot water that he found himself in? So so
1: two things. One is I, I think part of the reason I use the analogy mm-hmm. is uh, – alludes to part of the question that you asked, which is that he truly is unique, and you can't – no one is going to be the second Donald Trump, and, and it, what works for him doesn't work for other people, mm-hmm. right? And, you, and you, you were talking about the style a moment ago, and I think that where sometimes I, I you know forgot is that like, this style might work for him but it doesn't work for me and, and for most people. It's not going to be the way to go. And that's where I think, um, you know, it, it it has worked for him, and he has found it successful in business and obviously now in politics. Um, whether or not it's the right thing to do going forward, I, I just that's, I think it's, it's truly unique to him and his style, and I don't think others can emulate it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And I also wanted to ask, you know, clearly you have spent much time with the president being in that inner circle. And in the book, you talk about getting to know the man behind the title, getting to know him as a friend. You know, but with, as with all pairs of friends, there's never a full and complete agreement on everything. And I'm curious, what kinds of things did you and President Trump disagree about or clash over? Were there particular issues or types of challenges where you found that you and him consistently diverged in perspective?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that the, the the number one thing would be style, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he, I mean, he said it before, he's pugnacious, he's a, I mean, I, you know, you use several adjectives that I think are fairly accurate to describe. That's that's not, generally speaking, my style. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, and so I think there were times when, and I don't know that I would ever use the word clash, but I think that where we would differ is I would say, okay, here's what we should do on this instance. And he would say, no, this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And. And this is how I want it said. And, you know, I might think that that was elevating something a little too much. I think that there were times where I think that we punched down, you know, where mm-hmm. somebody somebody that some may have been criticizing us or saying something that I thought was maybe not appropriate, but they weren't worthy of, of, of us, punch, you know, sort of responding, because I, I think that that elevated them and the discussion to a place that it didn't need to be. But, you know, his style is such that he, he sort of – you know, believes in 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 sort of going back at people, um, and that's where I think you know he and I and I, and again I don't think there was ever a time when it was you know um, mm-hmm. that you know that elevated, but there were times sure. when I would say I would suggest that hey I think the better approach would be just leaving it alone or doing it this way, um, and you know so that would be kind of the nature of of the
0: disagreements. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, and finally, Sean, what are you hoping to add to the conversation with the book? What do you hope that readers will leave with a different uh, or perhaps more nuanced understanding of? I think there's three things that are important to me. Number one is,
1: for so many people, uh, the only opportunity they had to see or, you know, interact with me was to, through a television screen while I stood mm-hmm. at a podium. I think there's a lot more to me as a person. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is. There's a lot of stuff that happened at such a high speed and velocity uh, over the course of the campaign. And part of what I wanted to do is kind of recreate a lot of those things and explain to people what was going on behind the scenes so that you could say, hey, here's, you know, uh, how we use data to uh, to reach all of the different voter sets that we're going after. That was one particular thing. And then the third um, is to sort of where I think we are in the country right now is truly divided. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've enjoyed is having conversations since I left the White House with people that I don't agree with and listening Mm -hmm. to them and understanding them. And that's where I think that we've lost a lot of the perspective. And frankly, one of the things that I really enjoyed about my fellowship at Harvard um, last academic year Mm -hmm. was being able to have discussions that are respectful and civil, where one side can actually hear the other side. Mm -hmm. Because what I've learned through my discussions with folks is that sometimes it's, you know, once you dig beneath the surface a little bit and you understand that somebody's experiences have shaped their thought process because of, you know, their upbringing, their mm-hmm. environment, their economic situation, you sometimes may – you still don't agree with them, but you understand why they come at some, you know, a particular um, uh, issue in a particular way. And I think that hopefully what I try to do is explain to people, you know, some of the mindset that's going on and, and you know – And 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 I think that that helps inform people. Once you understand why someone thinks a certain way, at least you may not agree with them or change your opinion, but I think it shapes your ability to say, okay, Mm -hmm. I now understand a little bit more why they think that way.